Nothing but the best. The official drive with Lloyd Paul. Now, as promised, she has a strong voice in the fight for going green. Tashmika Shama has been appointed as a member of the KZN Climate Change and Sustainable Development Council. Tashmika is an environmental scientist and researcher at the University of Kwazulu Natal and a member of the South African Hindu Mahasabha. Women's Forum, that is. And now she's joining us on the line to tell us more all about this. Uh, good afternoon, Tashmika. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Lloyd. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me this afternoon. Only a pleasure, Tashmika. Now, let's start by asking you, uh, environment. How did your passion for environment actually begin? Yes. Um, look, I mean, also a lot of it has to do with upbringing. Um, growing up, my parents always placed a significant value on, 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 on the environment and what it meant to protect it. And also, you know, educating us on what the spiritual value of the environment is. But more importantly, my passion grew when I, um, you know, went to school and um uh, as early as that, geography and biology were, you know, my favorite subjects, um, the environmental section of biology and, of course, geography, the entire um, subject. And one of the things that really got me passionate about it was, although there are so many challenges in the environment, the society at large, you know, across the world is keeping quiet about it or not having the opportunity to speak about it or it's not being taken as seriously as we would want it to be taken um, as climate change and environmental scientists. And that's what really uh, sort of catalyzed me to get into, into, this, into this field. Now, do you believe there's growing understanding about sustainable environmental practices from home gardening to beach cleanups and recycling? Uh, no, of course, definitely. I mean, look, um, beach cleanups play a, a very important role. If we look at South Africa, our beaches had a blue flag status not so long ago. And unfortunately, our blue flag status was taken away. That was what international tourists would come to enjoy. Um, because we were unable to keep, you know, keep our beaches clean, um, you know, we no longer enjoy these, these statuses. And it's important for us to, to know that something just like picking up litter makes a difference. Uh, you know, you can go and change from plastic to biodegradable material or paper products. I don't even have to tell you about the, you know, packets in the ocean. And I think people don't understand that plastic is made up of the same chemical structure as oil a chemical compound called polyethylene that cannot break down. So when things like uh, organisms like, you know, sea turtles or avifauna like seagulls swallow it, uh, they, they're going to die. Um, other things, you know, that communities and children um, are involved in is eco-bricks. So they take litter, they put it into a plastic bottle and they use that as part of building, you know, for the built environment. But... Uh, you know, we receive orange bags every, in, you know, with, with bin packets to separate waste and, and plastic and things like that. So even if you do that, you anything, you're playing a small role that will essentially make a difference. But more so, what I, I want to, to talk about is that, you know, if you're recycling, you're doing your part. If you are being environmentally ethical, you are doing your part. So when you are seeing something wrong happening to the environment go and correct that or speak up about it or if you yourself know that you are engaged in the wrong activities in your environment then then you know you seriously need to 
sit down, think about it, address it. Let's look at how we can all work together with different community organizations, civic structures, uh, you know, in you know, uh, faith-based organizations, etc., to get involved. I always say, you know, youth are the future of the country. So definitely we need to be you know, more dominant in schools with environmental campaigns. We need to look at restructuring the life orientation syllabus or any sort of, uh, you know, geography syllabus uh, at the primary level to get that interest in youth, uh, you know, of the environment so that they grow with that interest and that they they they, they continue to want to uh, engage in sustainable practices and environmental ethics and things like growing gardens at your school which immediately connects a child with not only the environment but the fact that food security is connected to the environment that poverty can be connected to the environment and also ultimately you know um people are connected to the environment so we 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 really need to engage in further sustainable practices and i hope that people who are listening today are either going to recycle, either going to engage in some sort of beach cleanups, um, you know, whether it's restaurants or businesses that, you know, selling food indicate for the non-vegetarians if it's fish or whatever type of meat it is, how, um, uh, how much of an endangered species it is or not. Interestingly enough, for the non-vegetarians, meat holds a lot of water uh, and uh, we obviously support going vegetarian because uh, we see with the environment it acts out and we saw this with the coronavirus pandemic is that these are environmental catastrophes. So we, 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 I think the COVID pandemic especially is showing us that we need to look within ourselves and, and look at how we can practice sustainably, whether it's eating, whether it's recycling, whether it's, you know, doing something ethical. It all plays an important role in sustainable development. Now, you know, like I said, it plays an important role in sustainable development and um, our people need to understand that obviously climate change is something that we are now currently living in. It's not something that you, it's going to happen to us in five years or ten years from now. This is something that actually is taking place around us right now. And if you stop to take a moment, it's very important that people pay attention, be observant. And you'll notice that climate change is you're living in it. You're living in it. And how important is it that our, our citizens in the country actually sit up and take notice and be like, all right, you know what? We need to play. We need to play our our role in this because remember we're not here for for a long time we're on we're on a short journey right uh, to Shemika? but you're leaving something uh, for the future generations to come uh, of course of course and that is exactly the definition of, of of sustainable development but i think we as as a society we we need to think about in, in you know with, with your whatever profession you're in whichever organizations you're in we should try and align our practices in accordance with the, you know, global sustainable development goals. And here in South Africa, we have the National Environmental Management Act, which we which we need to. And at the moment, in my research at the University of Kuzumatel, and I'm also currently doing my, my doctorate, I look extensively at, at these um, concepts. What is very sad is that for how much of an impact uh, you know, uh, sustainable development and climate change has. We, as as humans, do not afford it that significance. 
So we really, really need to understand that it has a very great impact. And I want to just touch on a few South African examples. I think it was in March of 2017, we had the Cape Town crisis, uh, water crisis. Uh, because we had a situation with Cape Town having a Mediterranean climate, which is dry, coupled with your high per capita water usage or consumption. And this then resulted in, in the city taking absolutely drastic measures to avoid water running out. This was the first time I think the younger South Africans, and even older, uh, saw that you know it brought to the forefront of our attention that although water is a renewable resource, it was unable to restore itself. So that although it is considered renewable, we must be careful that, you know, this concept of renewable resources does not mean it's going to be perpetual or permanent, permanently available, but rather that it is part of an environmental system. And if not managed responsibly, it's going to take a very long time to replenish itself. So these systems need to replenish themselves. We say renewable, but if we're not using it responsibly, Mm. we're going to find ourselves in a very big problem. If you look at Durban, uh, you know, South Durban Industries, for example, and the noxious activity was, you know, going going on there. It has resulted in massive amounts of chemicals. Chemicals such as, you know, I'm not going to get into the detail, but benzene, toluene, pentane, which have crystal lattice structures that cannot be broken down by the environment. And there are severe health implications, not only for the environment, but for the people living there as well. It comes in the form of respiratory diseases, you know, fetal abnormalities, etc. Sadly, as well, for Durban, um, and I was quite sad to learn this while doing my research, is that we've had the extinction of, of species, uh, such as uh, in the same area, it's called um, the race course lily, but the scientific name is Nepophia porciflora. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's extinct. And I think what we don't realize is when you take one organism outside of the ecological system, that then has severe effects for the rest of that ecological system. And as humans, we are dependent on the environment. So even if you look at the, the weather, so we talk about climate change. Climate change, you know, is a very, it's a large scale. And in, you know, sci- environmental science and geology, we're used to talking about things that are 100 years old and millions of years old. But if you just look at our weather in South Africa, 20 years ago, you said uh, June and July were the winter months. Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Not anymore. So we see that it's, you know, winter is pushed back. Winter virtually does not even exist, no longer exists. And I think that um, one of the one of the things we, we need to be aware about is in addition to the fact that we are polluting the environment and we are causing this, you know, before we used to call it global warming. So now we're saying climate change. Apart from our anthropogenic activities, there are also other environmental and geological factors at play. And I'm just going to give you quick examples um, that people probably already know about. So we, we've got global warming. We know what that is. Uh, the El Nino-Lanina patterns play a very significant role because that thing already tells you about what temperatures you're going to be experiencing. So how to behave with things like water, as I mentioned earlier on. We have things like something called the Milankovitch cycle, which is a huge geological cycle that changes the temperature of, of, of planet Earth every hundreds of thousands of, year, uh, of years. So if we, you know, while studying these cycles, if we know that, look, the Earth is in a perihelion cycle, which means it's closest to the sun for this period of 100,000 years, then we know how to behave as human beings about polluting uh, the planet. 
And what I also want to say is that all, you know, the last point is that in South Africa, we don't also, we should we need to understand that it's not just about South Africa. Our environmental challenges are not unique. Um, and our environmental challenges and, uh, you know, the problems that we have also affect world challenges. So I was, you know, while doing my research, I picked up and I see, must have seen it all over the news as well, that 2019 was one of the hottest years recorded, in fact, the hottest year rather, uh, recorded in modern geological history. Um, I haven't really received the data for 2020 as yet, but we're still looking into it. And I am told that there's far, you know, hotter surface and um, ocean temperatures, which is very sad. But what came out of the 2019 data is that the oceanic temperatures were, were got so high that it was equivalent to that of dropping five Hiroshima bombs into water every second per second. That is, that is crazy. That is crazy if you think about it that way. Absolutely. And then we, we don't now, we, we need to understand that when you are heating the ocean, there are glacial currents, there are arctic currents, all which are adapted to a specific type of aqua ecosystem. And then this has implications for, for the ecosystems within the waters and within the oceans. 100%. Everything has a snowball um, effect, no matter how little absolutely. it is, you know. So, and, uh, absolutely. And it's a, it's a global scale. I think we, we I, I, I want to make that it's a global scale, but each one of us has to play our part. All right, so we're almost out of time, Tishmika. How can KZN residents uh, get involved in and support the council's initiatives? To all our listeners listening in on KZN, uh, how can they get involved? Okay, great. Yes, so um, what was the Kovilatawa Climate Change and Sustainable Development Council? We always have a climate change and sustainable summit. Um, I haven't been given news as to when that's going to happen as yet, but I do want to tell uh, everybody, especially youth, to look out for this because it gives people an opportunity to be exposed to the types of things I'm talking about, but in a way that will bring it down to reality for younger people to understand. Uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the Itaquini Municipality has Sustainable Living Exhibition where you are exposed to innovative recycling, water and energy saving devices, sustainable development. Um, if you go to the KZN Beach Cleanup Facebook page, you'll visit there and it says, yeah, it tells you about when the cleanup schedules are for all the beaches. And this also goes for the Natal Sharks Board. And, um, you know, Durban has its Green Corridor project as well. So I'd like people to obviously get involved in that. It, the Green Corridor extends from Awangeni River. Um, all the way to the mouth of the Inanda Dam and Valley of a Thousand Hills. And here we look at projects to remove alien invasive species, um, you know, and to remove, you know, water hyacinths, to deal with the dumping of waste from industrial polluters, and to clean up the river and improve water quality. So, um, they, you know, I would just advise everybody to, to, to keep looking on the KZN, you know, um, pages for the environment, sustainable development, climate change and different projects, uh, you know, that will empower communities to want to respond to ecological challenges. Great stuff. Uh, Tashmika Sharma, thank you very much for joining us on the official drive this afternoon. I wish you all the best and continue doing the great work that you are. 
No, thank you. Thank you so much, Lord Paul. I really, really appreciate it. And I just wanted to, uh, you know, take this opportunity to say thank you to Lotus FM for having me this afternoon. I also just want to quickly thank the South African Hindu Mahasabha and the uh, Honorable Premier, uh, Mr. Sikhenzi Kalala, for my appointment and making certain that women are represented in such forms. Thank you so much. Great stuff. God bless. Cheers. Lotus FM. Yeah. Yeah. Share the experience. Yeah.